Ex in the Greek means one who has come to stand with Christ. The launch of the church at the day of Pentecost gave way to a new breed of a child of God, which is filled with grace, relationship, and power. It's time for you to rise, X-Men. weeks ago talking on this whole subject of X-Men. Now, I'm probably the only preacher you know that can take X-Men and make it spiritual, right? We begin talking about the X. If you look at X in Greek, X stands for Christ. And so we begin to talk about how that actually we're talking about not the X-Men from the movies, but actually in the sense of X-Men Christians, those of us who are called to walk in accordance and in obedience with Jesus Christ. We begin the first week talking about a new culture. Acts 2, 47 says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread from house to house. And it gives us a culture, a new culture that was instituted uh, when the church came into existence. The second week, uh, we talked about a new life, how that, that you enter into a new life with Jesus Christ and how you live that overcoming powerful life. Then last week, we talked about how that you're given a new language, that when the baptism in the Holy Spirit is poured out in your life, that a new language comes to you and you begin to communicate. We talked about the benefits of that. Today, we're going to talk about a new power, how that we have been given a power, what that power is for, and how that you and I, as believers, can operate in that power. So would you take your Bibles, go to the book of Acts, the first chapter, and as you're doing that, let me greet our campuses today. My name is Eddie Couples, and I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries. I'm thankful for what God is doing in every one of our locations that call themselves Love and Truth Churches. We are excited about what's happening at your local location there. I'm believing today that as the Word of God goes forward here, that your life is going to be touched and that the power of God is going to minister to you. So let's get ready to see what God says to us today and through His Word. Now let me say this to you. Christianity does not stop at the cross where Jesus Christ died and paid for our sins. After Good Friday came Resurrection Sunday. And then 50 days later came Pentecost Sunday that brought, the Bible says, the power of God. And so each and every one of us today, as we look at this, we begin to understand that God has power for the church. Now, the book of Acts, the first chapter, uh, let's look at that, if you would. Acts chapter 1, uh, and beginning in verse number 6, says, uh, this is at the Mount of Ascension. It says, then they gathered around him, around Jesus, and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive, what's that next word? Oh, come on. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That word power, the Greek word there, and I'm not trying to give you a, a historical language 
deal, but the Greek word there is dunamis. It's the same place that we get the word dynamite from, that God says that is going to be released to the church. They're going to be released to believers, a power that is going to be like dynamite. It is going to be so powerful that it's going to make a difference. In fact, he said it this way. He said, when you receive that power, you are going to be witnesses. Now, how are they going to do that? Are they going to grab uh, their Bible, stick it under their arm, uh, take a bunch of tracks and go door to door and knock on the door? No. If you study the Scripture, what you find is, is that the power of God through the believers in the book of Acts was so attractive that people were consistently coming to them, and the Bible says asking of them of the hope that lies within them. You and I need to learn to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. When God gave us his power, it wasn't, and, and understand how I say this, we talked last week about a new language, we talked about that when you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, uh, that there is a sign uh, that's called the evidence of speaking in other tongues, we talked about that, but I want to tell you, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not about speaking in tongues. If it were about speaking in tongues, we'd just teach a language class. And we'd, we'd train everybody to speak in a language, and probably the good language would be right now Spanish. We'd all learn Spanish, and we'd be great, all right? We'd be able to, to communicate. We'd be able to talk. It's not about that. We talked about some of the benefits, but the, the process of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is so that you and I can receive power from on high, that we can operate in that power. And I want to tell you, we need to learn to live like the New Testament church. We need to learn to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. There needs to be a difference between you and your neighbor who does not know Jesus Christ. And it's not that just you get up on Sunday and go to church, right? It's not that, you know, you, you do certain civic things. There really ought to be something about our lifestyle that is different from those who do not know Jesus Christ, and that lifestyle needs to be a lifestyle lived in power. And so today we're going to look at what that power does, how it comes into our life, and how we operate in the power of the Holy Spirit, and how you and I can move in it. So would you look in Acts chapter 2, uh, beginning in verse 37. This is after the Apostle Peter has preached a great sermon to thousands of people who had gathered, and, and they asked him, and they said, uh, verse 37 there says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on the next two or three verses, and he talks about it. He said, This promise is not just for you. It's for your children. It's for all those that the Lord our God shall call. He said, That's the power of the Holy Spirit and how it operates uh, in your life. And then verse 41, he says, And those who accepted this message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Here's the first thing that the power of God, this new power we're talking about, new culture, new life, new language, today new power. This new power, what it does, the greatest thing that it does is that it saves people. There's nothing greater. Listen, the greatest miracle on earth is salvation. There's, look, if I get you healed today, you may get sick tomorrow. Right? But if we get you saved, you have the promise of an eternity with Jesus Christ. 
You have the assurance that the power of the Holy Spirit is working in your life and leading you into all things and the all blessings that God has. And so when we begin to look at that, we need to become excited. As Christians, we need to believe that God has placed His power within us, not so that we can dominate the conversation. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and really it was a monologue and not a dialogue? You understand what I mean? Don't any of you look at your wife? I saw that happening. Cut that out. All right. That, you, you know, it's, it's like we get in this conversation, but there's only one side talking. It's, it's in, and in the, in the whole process of salvation sometimes, we meet people, we're in contact with people, and, and we're doing all the talking. We're doing all the giving. We need to learn to be led like Jesus. Jesus showed up at a well one day, and uh, his disciples went on into the town. And the Bible says it's, it's around noon, and that Jesus is there, and this woman came out. And, uh, and Jesus starts a dialogue with her. And guess what he talked about? He talked about water. He, he, talk, he, he didn't talk about, uh, you know, the book of Revelation and what 666 meant. You know, he, he didn't talk about Daniel's great revelation. He, he didn't try to convince her that she had to do certain things or say certain things. He, he just talked to her about water. He, he met her where she was, and as the spirit that was in him now is inside of us, we need to learn to meet people where they are and allow the power of the Holy Spirit to touch them. The Bible says in that encounter, watch what happened. Jesus talked to her about some stuff, and, and uh, then he said, go get your husband, and she said, I I don't have one and the, the word of God says that he said you're telling the truth he said you've had five and the one that you're living with now is not your own I mean a, a woman who had had searched everywhere for true love I mean that, that's what she's looking for she's looking for somebody to love her and and she can't find that and the Bible says that when she gets saved she goes in and tells the city and the entire village comes out and gets saved because of one person who somebody met at their life's life's need you and I need to understand that the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's what the Scripture says, and we'll go to the second one. The Scripture says that when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, speaking of the, the Holy Spirit, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you in all truth. Now, we've taken that to mean, well, He'll show me all the intricacies of the Bible. That may be, but I think it's also in dealing with this whole salvation aspect that we will know what to say, when to say it, and how to say it. And if we will move in that, then we will see people's lives being changed. The second thing is found in the, in the book of Acts, the third chapter, uh, beginning in verse number 6. It says, then Peter said, uh, and let me set this up. Peter and John are on their way to prayer. And the Bible says when they get to the gate before they go into the temple, that there's a lame man there who sits there every day, and he begs for money. And he just asks, could, could you give me some money? And, and watch what the Bible says. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. My wife has it all. Oh, I just added that, didn't I? That's really. But, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Here's the second thing that the power is given for the power is given to heal. God gives us his power so that we can heal the sick. The Bible says, these signs shall follow them that believe. And one of those signs is, is that they'll lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. 
Now, I know that we've been taught theologically that God doesn't want to heal everybody. In fact, uh, we, we will kind of pray these kind of prayers. We'll pray, we'll call people for prayer, we'll do the James, you know, thing where it says, if there's any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And, and we'll, we'll do that James thing. We, you know, we'll even find some oil, you know, and we'll put the oil on them and we'll do the sign of the cross or whatever. And, and then we'll, we'll pray over them and we'll, we'll, we'll do that whole thing there. And, and then, but, but at the end of it, we put the disclaimer in. Do you know what I mean by the disclaimer? Here's the disclaimer. Lord, we, this person, we, we call for he, all this stuff, and then we go, if it's your will. Oh, yeah, you've heard the disclaimer, haven't you? It's kind of like, like listening to those car ads. You can have a car for $199 a month, and they'll give you all this, and then all of a sudden, literally, I was in the car this last week, and I heard one of those, and, and at the end of it, it got real low, and the guy was talking so fast, I thought he was speaking in tongues. <laughs> what was he doing? He was giving all the disclaimers. You have to qualify. You got to do this. You got to do that. You know, you can only drive it two miles a year. I mean, all the, <laughs> all the stuff, right? And, and that's how we do in, in the kingdom of God a lot of times is that, that we, instead of boldly, the Bible says that we are to boldly approach the throne of grace to make our petition known. Instead of boldly going before God and saying, Lord, we believe that you are the healer. In fact, when you study Scripture, you do not find the disciples praying for the sick. So, well, I thought you were talking about getting sick people healed. I am. You know what they did? They commanded people to be healed. The apostle Peter there, what he does is he doesn't say, hey, hang right here. We're going to pray. We'll be back. That's what we would do. We're not holy enough yet. Give us a while. We're on our way to prayer. That's what the Bible says that they were going on the way. What, is, what does Peter say? He, he said, I don't have any silver. I don't have any gold. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. In other words, he released the power of the Holy Spirit that was in him, and he made a difference in somebody else's life. You and I, as believers, as those who are filled with the Spirit of God, we have been given the authority and the power to go forth in the name of Jesus and to release healing in the people's lives and to see their bodies healed. That's what we're called to do. You and I are called to do that. Go to the book of Acts, the fourth chapter, verse 13, because this is all in sequential order uh, that's following here. They get the guy healed. If you keep reading, we don't have time to do this. You keep reading. What you find is, is that 5,000 people, actually 5,000 men, it says, get saved because of this miracle. The Sadducees get all upset and ticked off. They put Peter and John in jail. The next morning they bring them out, and verse 13 tells us what happens when they bring them out. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I, wouldn't, wouldn't you love for somebody to say, they've been with Jesus? Amen? Not they've been to church down there on Oilwell Road or Savannah or Cordova or wherever. They, they, that they would say, they've been with Jesus. See, the, the third, power, third thing about the power is, is that, the, that you're given a power to stand. Now, now, get this. These men are standing before guys who could have killed them. 
They could have put him in prison. They'd already put him in jail overnight. There were all kind of things that they could have done. But the apostle Peter and John there, they are bold in what they say. Now, now listen, hear me carefully. I believe with all of my heart that as a Christian, we need to love people wherever they are. I don't care what's happening in their life. It doesn't matter what their lifestyle is. That as Christians, we're called to love because God is love. So that's, that's what we're called to do. But at the same time, I can love and still take a stand. And that's what God's calling us to do. Would it not be great if we would train and allow the Holy Spirit to raise up a generation of teenagers who know how to stand against the pressure that the enemy is bringing into their lives and that when they've done all to stand, they just stand. Right? Come on. That the world, 16 and pregnant, doesn't affect them. They don't get caught up with all that mess. That they just make a stand for Jesus and just live for God day in and day out. I mean, that's what we're called to do. Moms and dads, just take a stand. We we just say, you know what? We love you, but we're going to tell you what the Bible says. And we know that that you have all the reasons. I want to tell you, there's a bunch of stuff in the Bible I don't like. Really? Come on, you look at me like, I can't believe he said that. There's all kind of stuff I don't like. I mean, I don't, I don't, I want to tell you, every once in a while, a good lie comes in handy. (laughs) You know it does. It's like, run through everything you could say, and a lie is the best. But the Bible says, thou shalt not lie. So you go, dang it, I can't do that one. I mean, you you read the Word of God and it says to do good to those who despitefully use you. Really? Come on, you despite me, I'm going to despite you. I mean, on and on and on. There's all these things in Scripture that that we see and that we read uh, that that are, are just, it's like, I don't like that. But you know what? If we all took out what we didn't like, there wouldn't be much left. I mean, some of you start ripping out the maps before it's over with. So we've got to come to this place of saying, listen, there are things about the Word of God that in my humanity I would rather not live up to. I would rather not impose my morality on anybody else. But the Word of God tells me to take a stand. And so I'm going to be like the Apostle Paul who said, when you've done all to stand, stand therefore. And he says, take the armor of God. And he goes through the whole process. And he said, that's how you are to do living this life. And so the Holy Spirit comes into our life to enable us to take a stand for the things of God. And you know what? You can do that with love. You can do that with kindness. You can do that with mercy but you can make a stand. Throughout the process of pastoring, I have people who will come to me with different situations of their life, whatever their lifestyle issues are, whatever's going on, and they'll say, Pastor, can I come to church there? And I'll say, yeah. And they say, well, will you accept me? And I said, I'm going to tell you, I will always accept you, but I may not approve of your life. See, we can accept people without, without approving of their lifestyle and that's what God calls the kingdom of God to be he calls us as his believers to be people who go out of our way make a stand but we do that in a way 
that they understand that the love of God is given to them and their life can be changed. Amen? Look in verse 32 of chapter 4. Uh, verse 32 kind of lays out an aspect here. It says, And all the believers were of one heart and, one, and mind, and no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Boy, I, I just ought to stop right there. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine somebody coming up to you and saying, I need your car, and you go, oh, sure, here, just take it. And you're going, well, now, Pastor, my insurance, am I, right? Now, isn't it wonderful how the church likes to talk about becoming a book of Acts church until we start talking about this kind of stuff? Can we read more? No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. Think about that. There wasn't a widow that needed. There wasn't a family going through. Everybody was taken care of. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. See, so you were loving it till we got there. See, the fourth reason that the power is given or what it does in our lives is it gives us the power to serve. Now, I want to tell you, I don't know about you, but I, I am not a person who naturally enjoys serving. Now, maybe you are. Maybe you just, oh, I just love it. I, love it. I don't love it. Now, I love to be served. <laughs> right? Come on. Anybody else tell the truth in church like me? All right, thank you. Makes me feel better we're all going to the same place together. But anyway, <laughs> that's heaven. Um, the, the, the process is, is that the Spirit of God comes along and enables us to serve. I mean, I want to tell you, these people didn't just do that because they woke up one day and wanted to. In fact, uh, if you keep reading, you'll find a couple that, you know, wanted to kind of get in on the club but didn't really want to do it. And um, God had a pretty quick way of taking care of them. But the people who were doing it were doing it out of a heart of love. They were doing it out of a heart of serving. And, and I think if there's anything that's missing uh, in the church today, it's the ability to serve. Every, everybody likes to come to church and everything, are, are y'all ready? And everything to be right and everything, you know, man, I want my kids in a great class. I, I want somebody to take care of me. I want to make sure that the auditoriums, I want to make sure everything's right and proper. Let me help you. The only way that those things happen is by week in and week out throughout Love and Truth Churches, there are hundreds of people who show up, most of them put a little green badge on, that says, ask me, and they go about serving. There are people right now, while the service is going on, there are people right now all over the buildings that are serving three-year-olds and serving 10-year-olds and parking cars out in parking lots and opening doors and all the things that go into it. And you know what? Not only does God call a, a small minority, God calls us all to do that. Why? Because when we allow the power of God to enable us to serve, then the Bible says there are no needs 
among the house. There's no needs. Everything is taken care of. So if God could baptize us with anything today, if he could baptize us with the power to serve, I want to tell you, we would begin to see a transformation. You know what the Bible says? The Word of God says, By this shall all men know you are my disciples if you go to church. By this shall all men know you are my disciples if you tithe. By this, here's what it really says. By this shall all men know you are my disciples if you have love one toward the other. You know what, there, there are people that God places in your life at times when you're part of a body that if you were choosing, you wouldn't choose them. It is, isn't it interesting how we can come to church and be so critical and all the time wanting God to bless us? I mean, think about it. We, we, can, we can pick apart everything and everybody and then go, oh, holy, holy, holy. Really? I, I don't think so. You know, the Bible says, if you can't love your brother, the person who you see, how can you say you love God whom you've never seen? What would happen to us today if we would come, what would happen if next Sunday, all across Love and True Church, we would come in and we would come in to serve? I've, I've noticed several restaurants now you go to. I, I think I know where it started. I won't say it, Chick-fil-A. But, uh, <laughs> and, and you'll ask them for something, and they always say, it's my pleasure. And the first time I heard that, I thought, I want some salt, and it's your pleasure to get it for me. Uh, you, you know, I, but, but now I notice that they're not, the, it's, it's kind of spread, and you go certain places. What would happen if in churches God's people would show up just looking for an opportunity to serve? Just saying, I, I, I just want to serve. I, I just want to bless somebody. I want to make a difference in somebody's life. See, that's the power of God. It's, it's not just the power to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. It's also the power to release what God's given to you so that you can bless somebody else. Let me give you the last one. Look in chapter 5, verse 17. Uh, it says, Then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. In other words, Great things began to happen. People's lives were turned over, and they got upset. They arrested the apostles. Now, that's plural. There's, there's, we don't know exactly how many, but there's more than one and up to 12. So they arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Here's, here's the fifth thing that the power brings. The power is to deliver. I, I mean, they, they took these guys, and they said, we're going to deal with them once and for all. We're going to put them in a jail cell. We're going to lock them up. We're going to shut this Christianity down. And the Bible says during the night, God opened the door. You know what? We've got a world that's in bondage. Now, some in natural bondage in prisons and jails, etc. 
But you know what? We live in a nation especially that has bondage of all kinds in people's lives. They're bound to all kinds of substances. They're bound to all kinds of difficulties from their past. They're bound to what happened to them as a child and what was said to them and the abuse that they experienced. And, and they come and they get around Christians and, and day in and day out. But what would happen if the church really moved back to the place where there was power to deliver people? What, what would happen if it began to be noised abroad that if you needed to be delivered from alcohol, if you needed to be delivered from crack, if you needed to be delivered from pornography, if you needed to be delivered from adult, whatever it was that you need to be delivered for, if you would just show up at a love and truth church, your life could be changed and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I tell you what would happen. You couldn't build buildings fast enough. You would never have to advertise one time. All you would have to do is just, in fact, you would start opening the doors seven days a week because there would be that many people who are showing up. Because you know what I know about addiction? Nobody likes to be addicted. Oh, they love it. They don't love it. They are in a cycle. They are tied down. They are in bondage. They want out of that bondage. They don't enjoy it. It was fun at one time of their life, but they don't enjoy it anymore. They would like for somebody to step into their life with the power of the Holy Spirit and see them released from what they're going through. And the Word of God says that the power of the Holy Spirit came into the life of the believers in such a way. If you study the New Testament in the book of Acts, you'll see that time and again, God delivered them out of prison. What would happen today if we would allow the power of the Holy Spirit to be released in the corporate setting when we came together? And it wasn't flamboyant and it wasn't rambunctious, but it was just the power of the Holy Spirit touching people's lives. One after the other, after the other. And then all of a sudden, two weeks, five weeks, two years down the road, they said on a Sunday morning, when I was just sitting in the service, the Spirit of God showed up in my life. And that day, God delivered me. God broke the bondage in my life. And God set me free. I want to tell you, that's what the power of the Holy Spirit wants to do in each and every one of our lives. And that's what God wants to do for us, not somewhere down the road, but what God wants to do for us, even today, in this room.